This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? Well, I have the flu, and so I wish I was dead. How are you? Um, well, I'm back in grad school, and my professor won't grade any of my papers. And not that I'm grade obsessed, but why the fuck won't she tell me that I have an A? And if I don't have an A, how to fix it? Um, I, I really don't know. And I talked a big game to you in text message and said, B's get degrees, but that's not the person I am. I know. Actually, C's get degrees. B's are overachieving. I've already told you, you watched that talk around me. Somebody (laughs) might think it's a rumor. Paul Adams does not get C's. Oh my goodness. So tell me about your week. What's been happening? Um, I painted a thing. Yay. See, isn't he pretty? That is a pretty thing. It's massive. Um, And I, yeah, I've just been kind of really working on that self-care thing that I told you was going to be the thing I'm doing this year. Um, And so today I signed up for Noom. Um, I know lots of people who've had good results from it. So Mm -hmm. um, here's to hoping that it helps me. And uh, yeah, it's been a good week. That's good. I have slept, I don't know, let's see, 15 plus 8, a lot of hours. 15 plus 8 plus 7 and a half. Yeah. (laughs) For many that is since since Friday. Math's not our thing at Lifetime Sentence. Mm -hmm. No. So, and I don't know how I can sleep that much and still be exhausted but here we are because i don't sleep enough to begin with so it's like i'm catching up on all the sleep since i was a child yeah did you know sleep debt's a real thing and it takes forever to catch up to it yeah i like i'll never be caught up because adhd but yeah oh i i sleepwalked last night and woke up in the middle of the night destroying things and so i had to clean up like a giant trash bag full of stuff because I just like ripped things up in my art room last night while I was asleep. And then I woke up a second time and, um, I destroyed the bathroom next. So I need to be strapped down while I sleep, I guess. Yeah. That sounds like it. At least your wife's still there. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. I heard her (laughs) sneeze bumbling around back there. So, (laughs) Well, you're not holding her hostage at this point, are you? I am not. I think good, good, sometimes good. that um, she f- this must be like a Stockholm syndrome type situation because I know no other reason that she would stay here. Well, OK. I don't know what to say to that. I don't think you're holding her hostage. <laughs> well, I'm just saying if she you, seems happy enough. If you make enough jokes about it, the cops don't come looking, right? um well you could ask the star of this movie that we're about to talk about i actually so you know we did all that research last week and um the elephant in the room is that we have skipped over chris watts for a couple of weeks we will do it you know we mentioned a couple times but um after last week's research that just made me cry for hours this was like a really exciting case to research (laughs) (laughs) This lady is coconuts. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, bef- yeah. Um, first of all, though, 
Welcome um, to Lifetime Welcome to Sentence. Lifetime Sentence. Look at us. We were on the same brave wave. Brave yeah. Brain wave or wavelength. Don't get yeah. on whatever I'm on right now. You need to change the channel real fast. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Paul. On... I'm Aaron, and I'm on Tamiflu. So everything is like a nice fuzzy fever dream right now. Food just appeared. Sarah is Stockholming me into um, dinner. So that's very good. Um, except that, that fried rice and an egg roll delightful yeah except that when the food appeared i jumped like someone had just broken into my house with a ski mask on like it was <laughs> real bad oh no all right so this week i watched poisoned love the stacy caster story it stars nia vardalos as stacy caster you will know her from the My Big Fat Greek Wedding franchise. Also, she's in My uh, Life in Ruins. Have you seen that? No. I love that one so much. Isn't that a book? Yes, I think it's an autobiography or something. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, Chanel Peloso, she plays Ashley Wallace. Um, she's from the Bletchley Circle. It sounds Another like you just gagged life. while you were talking. The yeah. what? Another, another life and sacred lies. Never heard of any of that. Specifically, Blackley Circle. <laughs> Jenea Carpentier. Her, uh, she plays Bree. Um, she's from she put. She's in Wind Calls the Heart. Okay. And the Man in the High Castle. Okay. Um, and finally, da- Mike Dupud. Sure. David Caster, uh, he plays David Caster. Most importantly, he used to be a professional Canadian football player. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and since the se- the season finale of football is on right now, yeah, um, I heard they I have some kind of appropriate. I heard they have some kind of event going on, an open house or something. Mm, yeah, it's the it's the sports recital. That's what I call it. Yes. <laughs> The season finale sports recital. You're exactly right. Or apparently there's like Uh, a concert happening with a football game as intermission or something. Sure. Right. Um, He's also in the I-5 killer movie and X-Men Days of Future Past. Both things I enjoy, actually. The I-5 killer movie or football? No, X-Men and I-5 killer movie. Ah. Yeah. I haven't watched the I-5 killer movie yet. So, we open with Ashley pounding on Bree's door, demanding her belt back. Stacy breaks up the fight and corrals them downstairs for breakfast. She's drinking out of a world's greatest mom mug, and so I know Lifetime is going to have a really good time with this one. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, I really mm-hmm. like this juxtaposition already. Ashley says that a guy is giving her a ride to school, and Stacy wants to hear all about her new boyfriend, but she just says it's no big deal while Bree teases her about steamed up windows. Uh-uh. <laughs> Stacy drives to work at Castor and Sons. She's super late for a meeting. Um, David, the boss, dismisses everyone except her so he can talk about her being late. And, oh, make out with her and have sex with her in the conference room, too. Okay, that is not what happened last time I was late to work. <laughs> I should hope not since you work in a school. Yeah. 
I'm just um, saying though, like I don't know if my school is wrong or if this guy's wrong, but somebody is wrong here. Uh, later, she and the girls watch a movie together. The next night, Stacy and David have dinner, and Stacy says that she has to do the right thing by her girls. She doesn't want to miss time with David, but they can't live together either because of her daughter. So David proposes. Like you do. And I don't know if it was the fever talking, but I did not understand this part at all. <laughs> um, the next morning during breakfast, she acts like every single person we make fun of on Facebook slash Instagram that is newly engaged. Yes, drink. She does everything with her ring finger showing. She suggests they watch Lord of the Rings or The Ring for movie night. Her girls keep asking her why she's acting so weird until finally Brie sees the ring. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> um, just in time, too, because I almost threw up and not just because of the Tamiflu. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley is not impressed because she's going to have to move schools and stuff. Stacy says that she doesn't want her to mess up. the. She doesn't want to mess up the three musketeers. Brie, the brown noser, says she deserves to be happy. And Ashley runs up to her room. Stacy follows her up and they have they have a talk and Stacy says a bunch of crap about love being endless and being able to love differently. Um, they make up and hug. Bree joins them and they all say all for one and one for all because their thing is that they're the three musketeers. Which one's D'Artagnan? I don't know. One time. They meet. Oh. Hmm? I was going to tell you one time whenever I was working at this place that it, it was Hastings. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it was like a blockbuster meets yeah. books a million. Oh yeah. Um, a guy came through my line to check out movies and his name was D'Artagnan spelled exactly phonetically. Mm. And, <laughs> and it tripped me up more than the French spelling did. Like I really had to work on this whenever I saw it written out like D'Artagnan. Oh, so I will always think of that poor guy, D'Artagnan, instead of any <laughs> other of the actual Three Musketeers, because I had so much trouble because I'm an idiot. Hold on. So, okay, they go and meet David for brunch. And he apologizes for not asking their permission to marry their mom. They say it's okay as long as they can have their own room. So everything's fine. <clears throat> Later, Stacy brings flowers to her first husband, Michael's grave, and tells him that she really wants this and she deserves to be happy. That bodes well when you tell your dead ex-husband, mm -hmm. I deserve to be happy. Mm -hmm. Especially when you kill him. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what? For real? Shut up. <laughs> Going for my Academy Award tonight. It's wedding time. And the family, this family has mountains of self-esteem because anytime anyone tells Stacy or her mother that they look beautiful, they answer by saying, I do, don't I? I wish I could bottle that for myself. Mm. Everyone's happy and smiley. Grandma tells Ashley that her Stacy has been through too much. And she always chooses the girls over everything and not to make. And so Ashley should not make her feel like she has to make that choice again. Mm, does she though, Nana? Does mm. she? <laughs> this grandma's a piece of fucking work. Let me tell you something. 
Um, they move into David's house and we cut to one year later and the honeymoon is officially over. Stacy and the girls argue because David and his father want to watch the game, but it's movie night. Finally, David gets up and yells that they'll just go to the bar to watch the game. And when he gets home later, he apologizes for being so edgy. And Stacy suggests they go away for the weekend, just the two of them. David is worried about leaving the girls alone for the weekend, but Stacy convinces him it will be fine. So they go away and Ashley immediately throws a house party, like you do. Well, yeah. I mean, I think even I would have, and I was a good kid. TM, TM. Yeah. Bree lurks in the corner, pointing out that David is going to kill Ashley, but Ashley just stresses that he'll only kill her if he finds out. (laughs) She goes out into the garage with some guys to get more beers, and the guys find David's classic Camaro SS. Ashley tells them not to touch it or even breathe on it, but this quickly turns into them taking it out for a joyride, because teenagers plus drinking plus driving plus expensive cars always turns out really well. I think he might find out. Hmm. They get pulled over for doing donuts in a parking lot, and we cut to Stacy yelling at Ashley. She says she's sorry, but nothing in the house is theirs anymore, and she misses the way things used to be. Stacy hugs her, but then David storms in. Ashley apologizes, but he says that's not going to cut it. He's grounding her and making her pay the $500 impound fee, which doesn't seem completely unreasonable to me, to be perfectly honest. No, I agree. <sighs> Ashley says David can't ground her, and when Mom doesn't step step in to save her, step in to save her, she storms upstairs and starts opening and slamming her door. So David flips out and takes the door off the hinges while Ashley and Stacy scream at him. Oh, that's happened to me because I opened and slammed my door so many times. Yeah, things went from zero to a hundred like real fast. <laughs> it's a very um, sixteen. Like this seems true to life. Ashley screams that she hates David and David yells back that the feeling is mutual. And I was like, uh, okay, that's where you cross the line. Yep. (laughs) Stacy goes to talk to her mother for advice and mom tells her that marriage is difficult and Ashley's not helping and she just needs to tough it out. She made a choice and she needs to stick with it. Ashley and Brie go visit their father's grave together for the first time. Their mother forgot that it's whatever important day that it is. Ashley says, I'm sorry, daddy, and lays the flowers down. And that comes back later. Um, the only reason I included it. Right. I figured. Later, later at home, Stacy is lobbying to release Ashley from punishment since it's been six weeks. And she's definitely learned her lesson. But David does not agree. Stacy says Ashley's grades are slipping and David wants to know what that has to do with the door. Stacy says that Ashley has the right to privacy and that this has got all gotten way out of hand. The argument ends with David pouring himself a drink and Ashley telling both David, Stacy and David that she hates them and to go to hell. I like that very couple named all around. David though. Dennis David. <laughs> oh, I'm so sick. I'm sorry. David's the new Brangelina. um later brie asks ashley to come help them make dinner because at this point she's just making everything worse ashley says no but brie begs so she goes david is making his special pasta sauce but he gets a call that his father died um so he like leaves in the middle of the pasta sauce that is so selfish yeah 
After the funeral, David starts drinking a lot and ranting and raving about everything Stacy does. Stacy asks him how many drinks he's had that night, and the argument is on. Stacy starts antagonizing him to keep drinking. She's pouring him drinks and telling him to go ahead and drink himself to death. Bree and Ashley step in to try and break things up, but the argument just gets more heated. Ashley gets her things to leave. She calls David a loser and walks out of the house. In his anger, David turns around and throws his glass at the wall, but he misses and hits Bree straight in the head instead. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. He tries to apologize, but Stacy pushes him over, which is easy to do since he's like shwasted. Right. And they leave. They go to a friend's house and the friend patches up Bree's head. Bree asks how long they're going to be there, saying she needs clothes. She tells Stacy, don't worry, Mom. He didn't mean it. Mm. Yeah, I felt icky about that. Um, because I like I don't think he meant it, but it also felt icky to say. Right. Um, <clears throat> we get a weird scene of Stacy taking off her makeup and I guess deciding to kill her husband. Haven't you ever just... Um, you know, put that Pons cream to your eyes and then thought, I have to fucking kill somebody today. No, I'm not that motivated. Oh, fair. Um, at work, she and her friend are discussing David being late for a meeting and how Stacy hasn't seen him in a week. They call his house and then go over and find his room locked. So they call the police who break down the door and find David's dead body. Oh, so he's been gone a week at this point? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, detectives come to take Stacy's statement but say it looks like a suicide dumb detective finds a glass of green liquid on the bedside table and says now that is not an apple martini <laughs> somebody like patted themselves on the back for that line they sure did <laughs> <laughs> and he says that's a hell of a way to kill yourself Smart, awesome lady detective seems doubtful on the suicide theory, even more so when she finds a turkey baster in the garbage. Stacy's mom comes over to dote on her at the police station. Um, smart lady detective, or SLD as I will call her, gives Stacy the death certificate and says that the death has been ruled a suicide. Stacy sighs and says, quote, the anti-free, which will also come back Yes, later. it will. Stacy and David... Uh, hold on. Stacy says she and David had just watched a show where someone died by ingesting anti-free. And David said at the time how painful it would be to die that way. Yet she's mystified because that's how he chose to kill himself. But then, like, after dropping this knowledge, she's just like, okay, bye. And she goes to leave. <laughs> Smart lady detective says, quote, I do have one more question for you, which always means that they definitely have more than, more one, than question one question. More than one question, yeah. <laughs> um, and asks if David ever cooked. Stacy says, no, that's not really, and that's it for now. Um, Stacy goes home and plays editor on David's will, then asks her notary, notary friend to backdate the changes that she and David made together. That's not at all suspicious. Not a little bit at all. 
friend says no at first, but Stacy cries that she's going to lose everything and she's so embarrassed to even ask and she has no one else to turn to. So friend's like, okay, that totally justifies breaking the law and going to jail. I'll totally do it. It's fine. Makes sense, yeah. Um, SLD comes to Stacy to ask her some more questions and let Stacy make her a cup of coffee because she's a brave soul. Um, they go back through Stacy's story um, and SLD asks her how, pray tell, did Stacy come back through to get her clothes without having to go into the bedroom? Stacy's prepared for this, though, and says she had stuff in the laundry room that she got instead of going into the bedroom. Now, to be fair, my clean clothes never actually make it to my closet. They're always in the laundry room waiting to be folded. So, yeah, I will give her that one. This is her only pass, though. You used it already, Stacy. <laughs> Um, so Stacy asks what the point of all these questions are, but smart lady detective just keeps going asking if Stacy knows anyone who might want to hurt David. And by the way, who's this guy on the family in the family photo on the table? Stacy says it's her first husband, Michael, who died of a heart attack. Sure. Jan. <laughs> Finally, SLD says, they may have a reason to believe that David didn't actually kill himself. And could she kindly come down to the station and submit her fingerprints so that they can, you know, rule her out. Stacy says, of course she'll help in any way she can. And then immediately goes to her friend and subtly implants the idea that maybe just maybe Ashley killed David. You know, like, like you do, you're like, Oh, my husband didn't die of natural causes or suicide. Psst. My daughter killed my husband. Mm. Like, that's my natural progression for sure. Yeah. Back at the station, SLD says she could, she not only thinks that David didn't kill himself, she also thinks that Stacy's first husband also didn't die as they think he did. Dumb detective is like, okay, that makes zero sense, but whatever. <laughs> He's like, I mean, why would anyone, why would Stacy do something so stupid as to leave evidence in the garbage? <laughs> he's, I mean, he's got the only point. Yeah. He found it. So SLD gets a court order to exhume the husband's, the first husband's body. Um, Stacy yells at her that she can't do this. And she's like, oh, actually this court order says I can do this. So, um, instead she just stares Stacy in the eye while she pushes the handle on the backhoe. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stacy threatens to sue everyone on earth and hangs up on her. SLD interviews Stacy's friend about Michael friend says that his death was very hard on Ashley because they weren't close. Um, and SLD says maybe Ashley has some guilt associated with like not being close to her father. And friend says maybe Ashley has guilt because she killed her father and her stepfather. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. um, because Stacy made her swear not to say anything, but Ashley was alone in the house with David when he died. Stacy says she drove by and saw Ashley leaving the house. So the detectives go back and talk to Stacy again and ask if she lied about Ashley's whereabouts. Stacy feigns innocent and then totally throws Ashley under the bus and says, now that she thinks about it, Ashley had threatened in passing to kill David. 
It must have slipped her mind before. That pesky death threat memory. It, you know, it comes and goes. Michael's autopsy comes back and surprise, he also died of antifreeze poisoning. Of antifree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dom Detective is like, ooh, we were right. And SLD is like, uh, yeah, we were right, sure. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ashley found out at school that her dad may have been murdered, too. So Stacy tells her to lie to the police as they start asking her questions. And then she decides it's time for Ashley to start drinking because everything is fine. Well, okay, now to be fair, if... Okay, so I know how this ends. But if both of my husbands wound up murdered, I would probably allow my daughter to drink or encourage it to. I mean, let's be honest. True, true. Um, she mixes orange juice, Sprite, and vodka. And I was like, ew. So it's like... It's like a mimosa meets a screwdriver because it's bubbly, but it's orange juice and vodka. Ugh. It's like if Orangina and if you made a, a screwdriver with Orangina. Gross. Yep. <laughs> and they cheers. Ashley remarks how very weird this all is, but she clings glasses with her mom and drinks while the song Poison plays in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Lifetime. You are Look, not going to out the Lifetime acquired tonight. the rights to Poison and they played the hell out of it. <laughs> um. I'm going to 100% guess that the intern who's been listening to us got promoted to a writer finally, because this sounds like something we would have done, and you know it. Yes, I'm so into it. So I am now Uh welcoming our new Lifetime intern who's listening to us. This is your official first episode. Hello. (laughs) It's cool. We're going to get you promoted. Just look at the last guy. Um, (laughs) The next morning, Ashley has quite a hangover. Um... Stacy and Bree are talking about Ashley's birthday party that weekend. And Bree's like, ooh, can I drink too? But then uh, Ashley like moans from the table and she's like, never mind. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel that in the depths of my soul. So at the party, uh, her mom gives her more drinks, but just for her, not the whole party, because that would be irresponsible. <laughs> Ashley hugs her her mom and says she's the best, but she gets very hammered very quickly. She stumbles and slurs around, gets in a little fight with her boyfriend and starts crying that she doesn't feel well. So Brie takes her upstairs to bed. It's almost like she had something other than alcohol. It it might be that way. (laughs) Brie tucks her in and Ashley cries that she really does not feel good and begs her sister not to leave her. Poison plays again while Stacy mingles at the party and drinks out of a red solo cup. I wish that they um, were a little bit less subtle. Like, yeah. I just don't really follow what they're doing here. The next morning, she sends Stacy sends Bree to wake Ashley up, which I was like, that is so mean. Right? Like, you think your daughter is upstairs dead and you send your other daughter to discover her body that's terrible yes because um, to this point this woman has been so full of you know, righteousness godliness all those fruits of the spirit you learned about in sunday school 
Oh, well, the reason that they didn't give Michael an autopsy when he died is for religious reasons. That's godliness right there. There you go. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Bree finds Ashley unresponsive. They call an ambulance and rush her to the hospital. Bree finds a note next to her bed confessing to killing her father, killing David, and now killing herself. Wait, so just days after she finds out both of her mom's husbands were murdered, she mm-hmm. has a suicide note confessing to it and she takes her own mm-hmm. tries to take her own life. It is so fortunate for her that Stacy's such a good mom and thought to check on her. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah. But Bree just insists over and over that Ashley would not have written that or done those things. Grandmother of the Year shows up just in time for Stacy to tell her about how her big bad daughter, the serial killer, might die. And all Stacy has ever done her whole life is try to protect her. Grandmother buys this hook, line, and sinker. And when the detectives show up, they hand the note right over. Bree is the lone holdout that her sister would never have done these things. So Stacy sends her home with grandma. So Bree is the only redeemable character who did not die or almost get killed here. Oh my God. They just showed John Hamm at the Super Bowl. What? I have to go. I've got to change channels real quick. (laughs) I'm suddenly like real sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that man so attractive? Anyways, I'm so um, glad in the middle of this we got a visit from patron saint John Ham. <laughs> it, it really <laughs> bodes well for this episode. <laughs> God, I want a T-shirt that says our patron saint is John Ham. Um, that's our f- second thing of merchandise when we finally make it. That's our second shirt. Yay! Okay, so. Stacy tries to send Bree home with Grandma. The doctor comes in just then and says that Stacy can go see Ashley now. But SLD is like, hold the phone. We're going first. Stacy and Grandma protest, but dumb detective finally gets his shit together and is like, you guys sit down right now. <laughs> he found his big boy voice. He did. <laughs> um. The detectives go in and start asking Ashley what happened and if she wrote the note. As they're talking, the shoe drops for Ashley and she starts crying. Dumb detective starts reading the note, but it all fades out as Ashley just rolls over and says she's sorry and insists that her mom wouldn't hurt her. Oh, no, Um, sweetie. I know. The doctor kicks them out for upsetting her. Um, SLD is reading over the note in the hallway and lo and behold... Antifreeze is spelled antifree. <laughs> I wish this weren't real, but this is real. Like spell check is your friend, Stacy. So SLD marches right out to Stacy and asks her what what it was that was mixed with the vodka the night David died. She just can't remember. Stacy is like, this is ridiculous, but she finally goes, you know it was mixed with antifree, and SLD is like, awesome, you're super under arrest, let's go. You, ma'am, are now <laughs> antifree, you're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst pun oh, I've God. ever made, and it elicited too big of a response, <laughs> that Tamiflu is working for you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um... Um, 
Ashley gets out of the hospital and her boyfriend drives her home where grandma is waiting to tell her that she's a liar and a murderer. And Stacy is an angel sent from heaven who's probably never done anything wrong in her whole life. Grandma says that Ashley's just been sabotaging Stacy her whole life and then tells Bree to get in the car because they're leaving. But Ashley's like, nah, she's staying with me. Can you they imagine are how mm-hmm. fucked up you must be to say that a small child has been trying to sabotage somebody's life since they were born? Like, I know this girl's an adult now, but that implies that at six years old, she was trying to sabotage her mother's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Grandma and Bree and Ashley, they all get in kind of a tussle. And Grandma finally says that Bree can decide for herself who she's going to stay with. And Bree chooses to stay John with Hamm? Ashley. Oh, Ashley. Yeah, yeah that's what I, mean, I meant. That's that's what I would choose. <laughs> <laughs> I choose John Hamm. Um, I'd make out with him even if he had the type A flu. <laughs> that's how deep my love goes. <laughs> that is true commitment. It is, because I feel like shit. <laughs> okay, what if he had uh, mono? Oh, yeah, it's fine. We can be in bed together. <laughs> Whenever I thought I was dying two weeks ago with my flu, I told Sarah I was pretty sure I had mono, and she was like, you're not 17 making out in the back of the high school anymore, Paul. <laughs> and I was like, so? It's still mono. <laughs> Later, Ashley talks to Bree and says that she's really glad that she decided to stay with them. Um, she says she really hopes that Bree knows she's telling the truth. And Bree is understandably grappling with the fact that if Ashley's telling the truth, that that means her mother is like a cold-blooded murderer. Um, they hug it out, and now it's time for the trial. Ashley has to testify, which is horrendous. The prosecutor gives her a pep talk and tells her to be strong. Ashley and Bree walk into court in slow motion and sit down. Stacy stares them down from across the courtroom. The defense attorney tries to imply that since Ashley and her father weren't best bud peas in a pod, she must have killed him. Those are your two options. Mm-hmm. Then he asks her if she's ever gone to her father's grave and said, I'm sorry, daddy. So this guy can go fuck himself. Um, yeah, he can go fuck straight off. The prosecutor asks about the night of her birthday party and the drinks that her mother gave her, etc. He asks if she ever wrote a suicide note, if she poisoned her father, if she poisoned David. She says no to all of these things, you know. They're just, like, establishing it. Right. Um, they let defense attorney have another go at Ashley for some reason. He asks if she'd never drank vodka before that day with her mother how could she say that the drink didn't taste right if she didn't know what vodka tasted like oh no she's guilty of underage drinking i rest my case she killed her dad nailed it (laughs) afterward ashley storms out and yells i thought she was the one on trial not me and i felt that like so hard yeah that's real fair part of my huge problem with the like the court system the way it is now it's more like a competition instead of like i don't know as a need to get to facts it's attacking Mm -hmm. people's character that's Mm -hmm. that's the you know one of the biggest reasons i didn't go into law when i really considered it is i can't attack that way i just want justice to be served i don't want to put somebody on the stand just to make them feel like awful human beings i just want to find the awful Mm -hmm. human beings does that make any sense yeah totally 
Um, her Ashley's boyfriend reassures her that the jury is going to see right through the defense attorney. And now friend is on the stand talking about when Stacy told her that Ashley was at the house the weekend David died. The prosecutor asks, did you think Stacy knew you wouldn't lie to the police and would tell them what she said? Which is like the friend was like, oh shit, I've been had like, <laughs> right. Um, SLD gets on the stand to talk about the mispronunciation heard around the world. The defense attorney says that maybe it's just how Stacy's mother pronounced it, or it's like her affect or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> then Stacy gets on the stand and lies through her teeth about everything, saying it was all Ashley and she would never kill two people, then try to kill a third who happens to be her own child, while also trying to set her up for murder. <laughs> That's absurd. That sounds like an oddly specific thing to have never done. Like, mm. What is her fault, though, is that she put Ashley in a situation where she felt she had no way out. I just loved her too much. Mm. Total martyr syndrome. It was the worst. The prosecutor is having none of this and calls her a liar. Um, Ashley and Bree wait in the court lobby or whatever while the jury deliberates. Bree asks if Stacy is found not guilty, will they then have will they then arrest Ashley? But Ashley says no, the police know that she didn't do it, whether or not the jury finds her guilty. Ashley tells Bree she's amazing and they have a sweet little sister moment. And the jury is back. They find Stacy, surprise, surprise, guilty as fuck. No. Hmm. Uh-uh. Man, I should have done better research. At sentencing, Ashley weeps through a victim impact statement while with Bree by her side, which is really, it was really sad. Um, Ashley says, this is goodbye, and even throws a barb at Grandma. Good. Ashley says that she and Bree will survive and be strong. The judge tells Stacy that in all his years, he's never seen something so evil. And what she tried to do to Ashley is incomprehensible. He says that she's in a class all her own and sentences her to 51 and a third years. Bye. Um, Ashley and Bree walk out and hug people. Grandma stares them down, but does not approach them. Bree and Ashley and Ashley's boyfriend walk out of the courthouse. Um, the sisters go to their lay flowers at their father's grave. And Ashley pulls a flower out of the bouquet and lays it on David's grave. Cause they're all right next to each other. Right. We cut to Stacy being interviewed where she continues to double down and say that she's innocent. Except now I guess she's back on the idea that David killed himself. Oh, good. Okay. She says, he, um, the reporter is like, Isn't, doesn't it strike you as odd that you're talking about a show where a woman killed two of her husbands with antifreeze and you are a woman who killed two of her husbands with antifreeze? <laughs> um she says, this is simply a show about a woman who was accused of killing her husband. The reporter points out that she was actually convicted. <laughs> and Stacy says, quote, it doesn't mean that I did it. Um, and the ending says, in 2016, Stacy Castor died in prison at the age of 48. She continued to maintain her innocence until the very end. Ashley Wallace is currently engaged to be married. She continues to be close to her sister, Bree. The end. That's the best possible ending to this shitty story. Mm. Yeah, this story sucks. Mm. Um. All right. Well, 
here's the true story, which I'm so glad to have information that Lifetime didn't add in or that you didn't mention at least. Because there are sometimes, because this is very true to the case, there are sometimes yeah. you tell something very true to the case. I'm like, well, fuck, I've got nothing to talk about now. Well, there is one detail that they left out that I was shocked that they left out, and I'm hoping that you have it. I'm sure you do. Uh, I think that I know what it is, and so, yes. All right, so... um, It's while she's being interrogated. Uh Uh-huh. I have that. Yeah. And there's one that you didn't didn't mention that you also didn't mention just now, so that makes me wonder if you didn't know this one, and it makes me so excited. Okay. Ooh, I'm pumped. So I had several this case is fascinating. I love like this case is so fascinating. Uh-huh. So I had several sources. Um, of course, good old Wikipedia. I pay my five dollars a year. Thank <laughs> you. Um ABC News had a really good in-depth timeline of um it was called Timeline of Black Widow Stacy Castor's Shocking Crimes. Uh and it was written by Ali Yang, Katora Gray, and John Meyerson. And then I also found a website called insurance fraud news <laughs> and this particular article was called stacy castor the black widow five fast facts you need to know so um those were the biggest contributors to this week's notes um so stacy castor met Michael Wallace when she was 17 years old in 1985, and they bonded immediately, according to Wikipedia. Castor felt that Michael Wallace was her true love. So then the dates are a little strange between all the sources I found. Um, They got married. They had their first daughter. And one of the things said that she was born in 88. Another one said 90. And I didn't look past that to see which one it actually was so there's really no way to know is what i'm telling you nope Mm -mm. um in 1991 according to one and 93 according to another they had their second daughter brie yeah um so castor was employed at the time by an ambulance dispatch company while her husband worked nights as a mechanic um and um so despite having two working parents in the early 90s they still had very little money um and that kind of was a point of contention them for them for a while um, yeah so according to castor wallace was very close to brie showing a favoritism that castor um made up for by becoming quote best friends with her older daughter so okay naturally when one of the people are dead we only get the slimmest half of a story we can possibly get to make you look good. So, mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned that martyr syndrome, um, you know, Brie was just so much more loved than Ashley. So I went out of my way to be best friends with my daughter. Ugh, fuck off. Uh huh. Um, is that why you framed her for murder and tried to kill her? Cause did, y'all were best friends. You didn't do that with your best friend. No. Um, no. Aaron, I should probably let you know, like, we're very close now and the cops are coming to your house right now. That's, um, oh, okay. that's why I had so much equipment failure today. It's so I could bide some time for the <laughs> cops to get there. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
In spite of their closeness with their children, this is one of my favorite line in the Wikipedia article. I'm sorry, this is verbatim. In spite of their closeness with their children, the couple grew apart and it was rumored that each was having affairs. And I just like the idea that the couple was supposed to stay like super strong because they liked their kids. And I'm like, that's not actually how relationships work. No, that's not how relationships work at all. Um, you can I, love your children and also like fully separate from your partner. It's well, crazy. And like Sarah and I don't have children and we still manage to love each other. It's Are crazy. You sure? I, I don't know. We did talk about Stockholm Syndrome a little while ago. That's true. And I did step on this big ass fork that was in the floor and I can only imagine she left there for me. <laughs> She's just trying to kill you with a fork. <laughs> all right. So, um... And then on January 11th, 2000, Stacy mm-hmm. Castor's first husband, Michael Wallace, dies. Okay. A former friend of Castor's told ABC News that she was contemplating divorce when Wallace got sick in the winter of 1999. Um, yes. He went to the doctor. The doctor noted that he may have an inner ear disorder. Um. Which, as you know, is very closely linked to heart attack, question mark. Totally. (laughs) Um, Weeks later, he was found unresponsive on his sofa in their home and was later pronounced dead at the hospital. Okay. Um, Their daughter, Ashley, was 11 at the time, and she'd actually been left home alone with him. So she blamed herself for his death. Um, she had noticed that he looked sick that morning, but hadn't thought anything of it. And then he was dead on the couch. So she had to fight with a lot of guilt about her dad dying and she felt like she could have fixed it. That is horrible. And just imagine having that mother, like to make it even worse. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so there's a book about this case called mommy deadliest and the Ooh. uh-huh and the author of that book Michael Benson said quote it would seem like a perfectly obvious thing to autopsy a grown man who's healthy who lays down on his couch and dies but doctors told mm-hmm. Stacy they thought it was a heart attack and she says that's good enough for me and wow this one quote alone tells me that um we would be friends with Michael Benson cuz he's snarky like us mm-hmm. <laughs> um so after Wallace's death at age 38, Castor collected a $55,000 life insurance policy. Remember oh, how I told you they fought a lot over money? That's mm-hmm. a quick way to get some cash. Your husband has a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. So um, doctors told Castor, like I said, that Wallace died of a heart attack. Um, but his sister was actually skeptical from the get go. Because he was this, um, like, pretty generally healthy guy, and nothing in his history indicated heart attack leading up to that. Like I said, inner ear problems is all that his uh, primary right. care doctor had found. So his sister demanded a, um autopsy, but, of course, Stacey Castor was the only one who could actually demand it. So she was like, right. yeah, we're good. Um, we good. Yeah, I think heart attack sounds right. Um. So in 2001, she's like, I watched Grey's Anatomy. I'm basically a doctor. Right, exactly. So in 2001, Stacy met David Castor um, through her boss, but I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know if 
because I know she worked at the at his company for a while, but I don't know if he was working if she was working there when she met him, or if her oh, right. boss introduced him and then they started a relationship and she went to his company. Ah, uh-huh. I don't know. Um, so two years later, on August sixteenth, two thousand three, they were married. Um, and this is a quote from Stacy Castor. She said. David was very conscientious, very work driven, very into outdoors, which I, it, very into outdoors is the weirdest sentence I think I've ever heard. Very into out. Okay. <laughs> um, he had snowmobiles and four wheelers and a boat. He was support and strength and security to me. Um, he was the owner of an air conditioning installation and repair company, and she was his office manager. Okay. So, um, each of them, and you didn't mention this in your, um, notes, so I don't, I guess they gloss over this. So he also had a son from a previous marriage. Yeah. They do not mention. Yeah. So he has a grown son. When they got married, his son was already grown. He was like 18 or 19. It's not like he was a 30 year old man, you know? Um, but his name was David Jr. And of course she had her daughters, Ashley and Bree. Um, and I feel like David Jr. really is the one who gets, I mean, Ashley obviously gets fucked over, but David Jr. gets fucked over too. Cause like his dad was murdered and nobody talks about him. Yeah. Um, so casters, um, in 2009 caster, uh, told, I didn't copy the name of this person told one of her friends that her daughters quote, weren't happy about the marriage. They didn't want their father replaced. Um, David was difficult with the kids. She said he expected them to do everything he said without question. And being my children, they questioned everything. I like how she's like, I raise strong, independent children. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Stacy Caster loves Stacy Caster. Yes. So just a little over two years after their marriage, after their wedding, um, August 22nd, 2005. So it was like two years and some change, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Castor's second husband dies at Mm, curiouser and curiouser. uh Uh-huh. So at 2 PM one afternoon, Castor called her local sheriff's office to tell them that her husband had locked himself in the bedroom for a day after an argument they had and was not responding to his cell phone. So in her story, like in the true case that it was 24 hours and not a week. And so that's why I was curious about your timeline. Yeah. (laughs) Um, when he did not appear at work, she became worried. So she said, you know, he's depressed and I couldn't get a response. And so the, um, Sergeant Robert Willoughby from the sheriff's department comes over and kicks in the door of the bedroom and finds David Castor lying dead. Among the items near his body were a container of antifreeze and a half full glass of bright green liquid. Willoughby, That's not an apple martini. Willoughby rem- says he remembers that Castor screamed, my favorite quote of all time, he's not dead. He's not dead. Which seems like a very odd proclamation. I mean, we all grieve differently, but yeah. I'm sure there's something to unpack there. Yeah. The coroner reports that David Castor had committed suicide through a self-administered lethal dose of antifreeze. 
But um, police found Stacy Caster's fingerprints on the antifreeze glass and located a turkey baster that had his DNA on the tip. And so they, um, shockingly, suspect that she engineered her husband's death. Mm. And I just... No way. Right. I don't know. I'm sure I believe that. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I, none of this lines up. No, not at all. So, um, they believe that he, that Castor used the turkey baster to force feed him more um, antifreeze after he became, like, super weak. That's disgusting. Uh-huh. So, um, the lead detective on the case, Dominic Spinelli, was skeptical of this coroner's report obviously um and mm-hmm. he actually began this investigation that lasted two years kind of under the radar at first like yeah you know like the the autopsy report came back suicide and he was just skeptical so he led this investigation without um making a big deal of it at first because he just didn't oh, think sure. it lined up sure. um right so they also found that in david's will he left everything to his wife and her two daughters and nothing to his son, David Jr. Fuck that. Yep. So three months after Castor's death, Spinelli reached out to um, investigators nearby in Cayuga County, which is where Michael Wallace, where they'd lived whenever they were married, which she was married to Michael Wallace, <laughs> um, reached out to investigators about the death of Michael Wallace um, he said that there were certain similarities in the two husbands' deaths. Um, so, um, let's see, I copy and pasted the same thing twice there. Um, police suspected that both of Stacy Castor's husbands were poisoned with antifreeze, which is a really painful death, by the way. Indeed. Mm-hmm. It leads to, like, crystals forming in your organs. And that just sounds awful. Yeah, it's, from what I've, what I understand is it's not a good way to go. So the detectives on the case ordered wiretapping at Castor's house. They listened in on phone calls for unusual conversations. And they set up cameras overlooking her house and her husband's grave sites, who had been buried side by side, as you mentioned. Like, that's a real thing. Yes. Um, Yeah. That is weird. Detectives reasoned that if Castor were truly genuine about her love for her late husbands, then she'd eventually visit the grave sites. They wanted to observe her behavior while there. Um, She actually never visited. Um, Hmm. Which... Imagine that. I'm not a big cemetery visitor. Like, I know people who, like, that's part of their family routine, but I don't. Yeah. It's kind of how I'm tied to I want to be cremated. I don't want there to be a site for people to come visit. I kind of don't want to have a memory after I'm gone because I don't want people to feel obligated to me when I'm dead. Oh, my God. Isn't that ridiculous? Speaking of martyr syndrome, that is ridiculous. It's no, it's I don't mean it like martyr syndrome at all. I just I don't need any kind of shrine or anything. And I know some people want that, but um, my mom was a funeral planner when I was little. And so I've always had a weird um, relationship with death because it's a very present thing. Cause I was with her a lot at the funeral home while she was working. 
Yeah. And I'm like, this seems a whole, like a whole lot of stuff. Like just burn me up. And then like, I don't even need like a sprinkle me over the ocean. Like just dust buster me up. I don't care. <laughs> okay. There you go. The inner workings of my brain. Anyway. So, um, the investigators soon felt that the only way to prove her responsible for both homicides was to have, um, Wallace, the first husband's body exhumed. So on right. September 5th, 2007, his body is exhumed. And after the new autopsy was complete or the autopsy was completed because he'd never had one the first time. Um, right. Sergeant Michael Norton of the, uh, sheriff's office where it's the Onondaga County is where she was. Um, so sure. he's the sergeant at the Onondaga County Sheriff's office, not the other one that I mentioned earlier. Anyway, he remembers the exam medical examiner telling, um, telling him that Michael Wallace's body was quote loaded with crystals. And then delightful lead detective Spinelli said, I knew at that point we had a double homicide and Stacy Castor probably killed both her husbands. Police, yep. police then, like I said, had set up a camera at Castor's home um, <laughs> this is where I copy and pasted the same thing again. I was like, this sounds familiar. Um, so on September 7th, 2007, Castor is brought in for questioning. Um, and Spinelli's line of questioning led to a noticeably suspicious response from Stacy Castor. And I think this hmm. is what you were mentioning earlier. He says, quote, I asked Stacy, do you remember which glass it was that you poured the cranberry juice in? And she looked at it and said, well, I poured the antifree. I, and then she stopped and said, I mean, I mean the cranberry juice. Yep. That's it. Uh -huh. That's it. Where she like literally, oh God, she's so stupid. <laughs> when the detective picked up on her slip of tongue, she accused him of trying to frame her and stop the interview. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so on sure, Jan. On September twelfth, two thousand seven. So five days later, Ashley Wallace um, goes drinking with her mom for the first time. Like you do. Uh huh. So, um, Castor knows that all this evidence is mounting against her, and she starts to panic. She learns that Wallace's body has been exhumed and that antifreeze was in his system. And so she devised a plan to set up her daughter for the murders. On the first day of college, like you, surely everyone who's ever been to college remembers how stressful that first day is. Yeah. And on her first day, she's met with investigators who want to question her about her father's death and to inform her okay. that he'd been poisoned instead of having died of a heart attack. Like, welcome to college. It all sucks from here. Yep. <laughs> sure does. So, um, after the interview, Ashley calls Stacy Castor and police wiretaps record her asking her daughter questions about her conversations with the detectives. Then Stacy Castor suggests that they go have a drink together because they've quote had a hard day. Oh. Um. Soon after, Ashley said Castor invited her to come to the family home and drink together. Castor said that they'd been through enough emotional stress and needed to relax. Ashley agreed because Castor was not only her mother but quote her best friend. The. <laughs> The following day, mm -hmm. so she comes home on the 12th to drink, 
And then on the 13th, Ashley is like, or Stacy is like, hey, let's have some more drinks. That was fun. So then her mother offers her a, quote, nasty tasting drink that she at first refused, but eventually drank because she trusted her mother. Right. 17 hours later, Ashley was found comatose on her bed by her younger sister, Bree. Stacy. I wonder what could have happened. <sighs> Who knows? I mean, there's really no way to tell. Mm-mm. Um, so Stacy makes the 911 call and Brie leaves her side for a moment. So like Brie is there beside her, like holding her hand and Stacy sends her out of the room to do something. And when she comes back just a couple of minutes later, a suicide note has appeared beside Ashley. Ooh, interesting. It was a murder confession in which she quote admits to having killed her father and stepfather. Right. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, Stacy Caster then makes a big deal of like snatching the note from Bree and giving it to the paramedics. Like, oh no, mm-hmm. look what my daughter found. How could this have gotten here? Oh, <laughs> um, tests revealed that potentially fatal painkillers had been found in Ashley's system, and that she most likely would not have died. Would not have survived if um, she hadn't been taken to the hospital. Or if she'd been hit in the hospital any later. Like, she was actually mere minutes from death. That's horrible. When Ashley awakened, um, the police started questioning her about the murders and the suicide note. She said that the last thing she remembered was her mother making her a drink. And um, she was like, that's nothing that she'd done before. But, you know, like, for the last two days, she's been offering me drinks. And then right. the police officers ask her about this, the suicide note with the confession, and she's really confused. Like, like clearly this girl has never even, like, had no indication of a note until this exact moment. Right. Um, so, um, the next morning, nope, that's where I'm... So, the, um, the letter was a 750-word typed written letter it says typed written but it was on a computer it's not like they had the old Hemingway right. typewriter um right which would be really fun actually but um would get rid of my favorite detail in this case so um <laughs> they also know because like when I'm when I'm drunk out of my mind and typing up a suicide note I make sure to do it on the computer and then print it out right right um so the 911, um, like the, the responder who answered the call, made it very clear in their instructions that Castor really wanted the 911 call taker to know that there was a suicide note. Like, she'd made this call and she's like, oh my god, my daughter's dead and she has a suicide note and there's a suicide note and I think my daughter's dead because there's a suicide note beside her and there's this note that looks like a suicide note. Mm. suicide note suicide note yeah and then she's (laughs) like okay the paramedics are here suicide note and then hangs up like so yeah um so that same day stacy castor is arrested at the hospital and charged with the murder of david castor and the attempted murder of ashley wallace didn't see that one coming. 
Uh-huh. So, <laughs> this quote about her arrest, Stacy Caster says, I had a speeding ticket when I was 18 years old. That's the closest I've ever come to a brush with the law. So to be arrested and handcuffed, I was terrified. I just couldn't believe that was happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, that is the thing. I've watched the, the Dateline or 2020 or whatever it was. Stacy Caster's mother, Judy Eaton, also does not believe her daughter is guilty because her little girl could nope. never. She is cray cray. She says, quote, they were blaming Stacy for this. I kind of went hysterical. I cannot believe Stacy has it in her to kill two men, especially when she's supposed to love. I do not believe Stacy did it. She would not frame Ashley. Bullshit. Hey, yeah. So you don't believe you believe that your daughter is such a good mother that she would never have done this to her daughter. But also she raised a daughter who could do this to two hus- like two of her mother's husbands. Right. One of them being her own the, biological father. Right, right. Um, so and I like how old was she when her father died? Eleven. Right. Okay. Because yeah, when you're eleven years old, you're like, how do I kill my dad? Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, with antifreeze. So because I know how that works. Just to like frame okay. this for people who are not familiar with eleven-year-olds, I teach eleven-year-olds, and last week they created an in-class security system for when someone walks in my classroom. They start barking and saying intruder alert. The last thing they're thinking about is murdering their parents with, quote, antifree. Antifree. <laughs> so. It's just such a huge leap that, like, I, 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 uh, whatever. Right. So, um, three months later, on December 20th, 2007, Castor is indicted. So for two years, investigators had collected evidence against Castor for the deaths of her husband. And Mm -hmm. um, so that finally led up to her indictment on one count each of second degree murder, second degree attempted murder, and a plot to present a forged will. Yes. Um, So Stacy hired um, a defense attorney named Chuck Keller for her defense, and they immediately start to plan to pursue the defense that Ashley was responsible for David Castor's death, and that Ashley had also attempted to kill herself. And I know this will shock you, but the prosecution argued that there was compelling evidence against Stacy Castor. And I just don't know how that could be possible. Are you sure? Yeah. I, my mind was blown, too. I did not see that coming. I totally. <laughs> On September 28th, 2008, the judge ruled that the death of Michael Wallace can be submitted as evidence against Stacey Castor in the trial. So they had not brought it up as a charge against her, but they are using the findings as evidence in the murder of her second husband. Okay. So on um, January 12th, 2009, um, so... we're now, let's see, she was arrested December 20th, 2007. So we're a month, a year and a month after her uh, indictment, rather. Um, so Castor's trial begins January 12th, 2009. Both Castor <laughs> and Ashley Wallace took the stand during the trial. And the story became national news. By the time the trial began, the media had already dubbed Stacy Castor the Black Widow. Ooh. And I'm like, don't use that nickname on her. Yeah. <laughs> Stacy Castor faced 25 years to life if convicted when her trial began. While the two cases, while two cases were being presented to the jury, 
her second husband's death and um, Ashley Wallace's attempted murder. Um, like I mentioned, this is where I did a lot of repeating myself because I'd find stuff that was better written and that I wanted to reword and then I didn't delete the first yeah. way I said it. Um, anyway, so that's... that's okay. Um, they were allowed to present the evidence for Michael Wallace's death. Um, prosecutors argued that the... <laughs> Sorry. Co- prosecutors argued that the computer-generated note where Ashley, quote, confesses to killing Wallace and David had actually been, been written by Castor. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, Ashley was only 11 at the time of her father's death. Um, right. When brought to the t- stand, she testified that she did not murder either her father or her stepfather, nor did she write the suicide note, which is great because investigators later, um, or when they took the stand, one of the investigators was like, oh yeah, we checked Stacy's computer and there were two saved drafts of this suicide note on her computer, both of which had a timestamp for when Ashley was verified to be at school. <laughs> That's the detail that I was so shocked that Lifetime had left out because that's the best one. Yeah, and I remember that now that you say it. Yeah, that. Um, so dumb. And then the um, district attorney argues that David Castor's quote suicide had never made sense given the lack of his fingerprints on the glass or the container tainted with the ethylene glycol, which is the toxic substance in antifreeze. Um, and then, um, given the evidence of the evolution of his illness, they concluded that Castor had fed her husband antifreeze for four days through the turkey baster before he finally died and she made it look like a suicide. Um, she said, horrible. Yeah, she said that her husband had got the idea to kill himself with antifreeze while both were watching a news report about Lynn Turner, who murdered her two pa- two of her past lovers using poison. Um, right, right. So, you know, he set up and he's like, you know, I hear that's a really shitty way to go. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to do it. Right now. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So... dead air because i just um lost my place la, la, okay la, 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 so um la, la. on the stand ashley retold how her mother had convinced her to drink the two nights before she almost died she repu- repeated that she only drank the nasty tasting beverage because she trusted caster she maintained the innocence or her innocence of the murders and the note writing um caster's defense team was set on creating reasonable doubt in the jury's minds about caster having committed the murders they wanted to quote poke holes in ashley's version of what happened and prove that she could have been capable of murder at age 11 that is ridiculous Uh uh-huh they noted that ashley's father showed favoritism toward his younger daughter remember how i mentioned that earlier they were like and that's why yeah. my client had to be her best friend. So she was mad and jealous and killed her dad. I mean, so first of all, your job as a parent is not to be your kid's best friend ever. Ever. Um, so. Nope. Caster's mother went on record for anyone who'd listened to say that um, Ashley was guilty. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so in a final attempt to convince the jury that she was not guilty, Stacy Castor herself took the stand, which is always ill-advised. Always. <laughs> um, on, cro- on cross-examination, the district attorney points out what he felt like were flaws in Castor's version of that night. She maintained that it was Ashley who murdered Wallace and David, though um, she would not speculate about the motives implying that beyond implying that her daughter was mentally ill. Um, so Fitzpatrick was like, Oh, you thought your daughter was mentally ill enough to kill her parents, but you didn't take her to therapy or have her examined by any doctor. Um, Mm -hmm. and no doctor or educational professional has ever documented that she has signs of mental illness. Not a single one. Yeah. Um, Why are you asking these questions like it's crazy? Right. Um, So then the district attorney asserts that Castor's behavior during um, David Castor's and Ashley's illness made no sense, given the years that she'd worked for a paramedics company. Um, So you should have been like able to spring into action because you have this training that would make you a little more level headed in the situations, the argument, which that's kind of an argument I'm going to punch holes in because it's different when someone else is having an emergency than when you have your own emergency. You are mm-hmm. now I yeah. hate her. So I'll let it I'll like, I'll allow it. But in okay. general, I don't support this argument. Um, okay. So she did not seek care for Ashley for 17 hours and indicated that David Castor, who was staggering and vomiting and unable to stand quote, looked Okay. So she had, she was like, yeah, we fought. And then he got so drunk, he couldn't stand up. So he went in his room, but he looked fine. Yeah. He was vomiting all over the place, but he looked fine. Yeah. So um, he also questioned how a woman who had lost two husbands to poisoning would not seek help for a daughter in Ashley state. Like if you've had two husbands who died this way and you saw that she was on a slippery slope, why didn't you fix this earlier? Um, you act like it's her job to do that. (laughs) Right. Um, so what do you want from her? God. Um, so Fitzpatrick, the district attorney got so heated that he actually started like shouting at Stacey Castor, which inspired Charles Keller, the defense attorney to object and then try to request a mistrial because his witness had been, or his client had been handled, mishandled. Oh, fuck off with that. (laughs) Right? Um, So then prosecutors brought up another piece of, quote, damaging evidence against Castor when they cited that during their, (laughs) sorry, during their wiretaps, Stacy's on the phone (laughs) with a friend and um, Mm -hmm. in the, like, transcript that's typed from the wiretap, or maybe it's a recording at this point, I don't remember, um, Mm -hmm. they can hear keys clicking and yes. it's the exact time that one of the drafts of the suicide letter were written. Yeah, she's just like <laughs> casually chatting with her friend while writing. Oh, like, this lady's the fucking worst. So, um, Ashley had already testified that her mother was working on the, she'd caught her mother a couple times working on something on the computer that she like intentionally hid from Ashley. Like, oh, no, and covered the screen, you know. Um, Right. So then the district attorney stands up, and I imagine he, like, straightened his tie 
and buttoned his jacket a little tighter and stood up and like just pushed his bangs back out of his eyes just a little bit to say yeah pull this cuffs out and then he turns basically to the jury um I mean, he really says it to Stacey Castor, but it's really to the jury about how mm-hmm. odd it is that the word antifreeze had been written as antifree in four places in the note. And isn't yep. it odd that Stacey Castor said she'd poured antifree in a cranberry juice glass? Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it funny? Yes, and Castor was like, I never said antifree. Um, I was cut off when I was trying to say antifreeze in the um, in the interview because I meant to say cranberry juice. And I mean, I get it, Stacey. I sometimes say antifreeze instead of cranberry juice. I mean, all the time. It's a, it's a common slip of the tongue. Yeah, today, I had a delicious orange and antifreeze muffin. I mean, cranberry muffin. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. See how casual that was? Mm-hmm. So, um, then <laughs> Castor's defense team is so proud of themselves. They pull in this oh, pharmaceutical expert and he's supposed to cast doubt on the claim that Castor had drugged Ashley 17 hours prior to be taken to the hospital. And he he testifies that after analyzing the traces of drugs and alcohol found in blood drawn from Ashley in the hospital, that Ashley would have had to, quote, ingest the alcohol, Ritalin, and several other drugs just several hours before she was hospitalized. Is 17 not several hours? Well, it depends (laughs) on how you define several, I guess. Like, they couldn't even find a good expert. She she paid these people money? Good grief. (laughs) She got Tweedledum and Tweedledum or as her defense team. No shit. (laughs) This is what we need the circus music more than ever. And then the one detective's like, our theory paid off. And the girl's like, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, the jury deliberates for four days. It's a long-ass deliberation. That is a long time. Um, So on February 5th, 2009, Castor was found guilty of second-degree murder in the poisoning death of David and of attempted murder and attempted second-degree murder for overdosing her daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, The courtroom is jam-packed. And so, Mm -hmm. like, I mentioned this was kind of a media shit show. Um, But she just sat very still and kept her eyes closed as the verdicts were read. And then her defense counsel, Keller announces like basically they're like we find her guilty and he stands up and he's like we will appeal like before they finish talking we will appeal yes this Uh, is Sparta yeah and then he's like and you're only saying that because um they brought in the information from her first husband and she hasn't been charged from that so it shouldn't be used for evidence sure Jan okay so on March 5th, 2009, at Castor's sentencing, um, the chief assistant district attorney um, asked the judge to impose the maximum consecutive sentences because of the brutality of David's death. Then she criticizes how Castor had, quote, partied in her backyard with friends like nothing was happening as Ashley was comatose in her room. 
That is horrible. Quote, she is cold, calculating, and without any emotion for what she has done. Human life is sacred. Stacy Castor places no value on human life, not even her own flesh and blood. To Stacy Castor, human beings are disposable. Um, which, damn, what a powerful statement. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, so David's son, David Jr., um, actually got... It's like, hey, can I have, like, some money? <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> Um, so in fact, the, the sentence from the thing that I read said, David's son, whom Castor had cheated out of his will, pleaded with the judge for Castor to be severely punished. Quote, your honor, she is a monster and a threat to society. She has created so much pain and death with this, creating multiples of pain and death in the families of those she has hurt. Um, oh my goodness. So the judge says he's never seen a... Like, in all of his time as a judge, he's never seen a parent attempt to murder a child in order to set them up for a crime that they committed themselves and declared Castor as, quote, in a class all by herself. Um, Yep. He sentenced her to the maximum 25 to life for murder Mm -hmm. and then another 25 to uh, another 25 years for the attempt to kill Ashley. And then for the forgery of the will, she sentenced to an additional one and a third years to four years in prison. Um, so everything always says that she's sentenced to 51 and a third years, but that's just the minimum time that has to pass before she can apply for parole. Right. So she, Mm -hmm. she could have potentially gone forever, you know, um, which at that point, 51 years would have been the end of her life already. Yeah. Um, so, um, the trial lasted four weeks. Um, and then Ashley gave a statement to the judge but later in an interview and i don't remember what interview this came from now i'll have to find it um she gave this quote she said i hate my mother for ruining so many people's lives what gave her the right to play god with people i never knew what hate was until now even though i do hate her i still love her at the same time that bothers Mm -hmm. me it is so confusing how can you hate someone and love them at the same time? I just wish that she would say sorry for everything she did, including all the lies. As horrible as it makes me feel, this is goodbye, Mom. As hard as you tried, I survived. And I will survive because now I'm surrounded by people that love me. I'm going to do good things in this world despite making me, in every sense of the word, an orphan. Poor baby. That's so awful. So, um, Castor was found dead in her cell the morning of June 11th, 2016, uh, minus Sarah's fifth anniversary. So what a present to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was not immediately apparent how she died and the manner of her death was listed as undetermined. It was later determined by the DA's office that Castor died of a heart attack with no evidence of suicide or foul play. Antifree? Antifree. <laughs> And that, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody, is the most fascinating story of Stacey Castor. Listen, like, I I wish I could go back and find the episode where I said this is, like, my movie of the week. Uh-huh. Because, like, I was, I was really pumped about this one. This story, it has so many layers. It's so crazy. It's one of those, like, you would not believe it's true unless you knew. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's nuts. Do you have a movie of the week this week? You know, here's the thing I did, and then I didn't write it down because fever and Tamiflu. And so uh, stay tuned. I totally <laughs> understand. Um, 
the movie that I had in mind, in fact, I thought all week about how I wanted it to be our movie of the week. And I enjoyed the thought of it so much that I just made it my Patreon episode for this week. Excellent thing. So I can't go subscribe to our Patreon if you haven't. So you can hear Paul's lifetime movie of the week. Yes. It's about a really badass British spy. And that's all I'm telling you. Excellent. So next week, there is another rip from the headlines movie, but because of my schedule, I'm not going to be able to uh, watch it. And so I'm going to record it. We'll do it later. But I thought we could do uh, the Drew Peterson untouchable. Yeah. Okay. Cause it's on our list. So we'll do Untouchable Drew Peterson, a.k.a. Never Marry a Guy with the Last Name Peterson. Right? <laughs> now, For, did I misremember that Rob Lowe is Drew Peterson? Yes, he is. You okay. did not misremember because okay. he is. Yeah. It's so rare, A, for me to know an actor, but B, a specific role that actor is that I, I, I was like, I would feel like such an ass if I say this out loud and it's wrong. <laughs> No, he is. He's Drew Peterson, which is going to be a stretch because even in like the cover f- f- uh, art for the movie, like it does not look like Rob Lowe. I know. But it is. Yeah. I love me some Rob Lowe. So stay tuned. Next week we'll do that and then probably put the next week's movie the week after that and then go from there. Absolutely. Um, well, we appreciate you guys spending your time with us. Um, oh, oh, we had a gift to our listeners today. Oh, that's right. Did you read it? I did. I okay. did read it. I'm going to let you read it out loud, though, because um, Mama's tired. I understand. <laughs> so we got an email from one of our amazing fans. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's even one of our patrons, but I don't want to... It still blows my mind that we have fans. I know. Um, I promised her that I would not give out any identifying information. Right. Um, And so to respect that, I won't. But I will say that this story is bananas. And I'm so glad she shared it with us and gave us permission to share it with you as long as we didn't give out details. Like like, um, identifying information. Right. So she says... So super weird anecdote to your episode you posted today. This is in regards to the Warren Jeffs episode last week. Mm-hmm. Um, she said she works at a company. And when she started working there, she noticed that eight or nine people who all who worked in the company all had the last name Jeffs. I figured this was just a company who loves nepotism, which it is, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so one day I'm chatting with one of the manufacturing guys and they asked me if I knew about the Jeff story. I knew who Warren Jeffs was, but never made a connection because he was never prominent in the state where she lives. I don't know how much right. I want to give away, you know? Um, yeah. He told me that half of our coworkers with the last name Jeffs, as well as two other people with the last name Johnson were excommunicated from Warren Jeffs compound in Colorado city. And the other half of the Jeffs escaped in the middle of the night one night. And one of our directors is related to Warren Jeffs. 
A couple of years ago, there was a younger couple at the company who ended up going back to Utah because I guess there was a compound there. They just had a baby and, quote, did not want to subject their child to the atrocities of this cruel, godless world. They're actually actual words when I asked them why they were moving. Aaron, stop rolling your eyes so hard. They're going to get stuck. They really are. Most of them are normal people, a little socially awkward, but the stories I've heard from a couple of them about living in the compound are horrifying. My story above may seem a little jumbled. I've never wrote it out before, and I've never wrote it out, and also have never gotten too many details from those people who've been willing to talk, but shit is nuts. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just want to thank you for sharing that personal story with us. Yes, thank you so much. And you guys, like, if you ever have anything to email it to us, like, if you, like, email it to us, please. Like, I love when when you texted me, Paul, and said, oh, my God, we have, like, a, an email. I was like, ooh, like, popped right in there and read it because I was so excited. So, I know. And you were dying that, there that day. There's nothing too so... small. Yes, so... there's nothing too small or too big to tell us an email. Please do. Absolutely. In fact, Erin was dying that day and this email like gave her that little burst of energy she needed to make it through not death. (laughs) So yes, I'm still dying. It's an ongoing crisis. (laughs) But for that moment, you were a human being again. Yes. For that moment, I was a human being again. So yes, please send us your emails. Tell us some interesting stories. Like, yes, please. We, I love it. The thing that I love about podcasting is it's storytelling. I collect stories. So I want to hear yours. Um, And also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, please. And share us with your friends. Yes. Just, like, go on their phone and subscribe them to the podcast and then give it back to them. Don't go through anything else. Also, I would really love to know... If you were recommending your favorite episode to a friend, what episode would you tell them to start with? Yes, totally. Now now we're a year in and I want to know, like, what episodes are you saying you have to listen to this one? Oh, that's so exciting. Yes. Um, How exciting. So find us, too, on the social medias, um, on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. We got retweeted by Lifetime again this week. Yeah, we did. Um, facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. You can find show notes at lifetime sentence.com. And of course, send us your stories. Like we just mentioned at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. Yes, please. And then join us for some, you know, whatever stories we want to tell on Patreon. Um, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. I'm telling the story of a British spy today. Um, I'm excited. And that is over at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. Yes. And until then, um, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.